Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruden, and I'm excited to be back after taking a short break through July. My guest today is Lakeisha Gunter, who is the Vice President and General Manager for Global IoT and Strategic Engagement for Microsoft. I really loved my conversation with Lakeisha. We talked about podcasting. She hosts her own podcast called Roar with Lakeisha Gunter, uh, her executive experience with Microsoft, uh, as well as at Intel previously to that, Portland, how it's changed, uh, DE&I, and, and a lot of other things about being a great leader, and as well as you know, what this time during the pandemic has brought clarity to you know ourselves, and especially for leaders and what's important. So I hope you enjoy the episode, and please welcome Lakeisha. Lakeisha, thanks for being on the podcast. Well, it's just an awesome pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I've been listening to your podcast, and I'm like, I realized you're in the Portland area. I know you're in Seattle today, which we'll, we'll talk about, but I was like a fellow podcaster I just want to chat with, and I've I really been enjoying your your podcast, so just appreciate Thank you. you hopping on in these these crazy times. My pleasure. My pleasure. So maybe it's best to start for the folks that you know don't know uh, you, who you are, your background. If you don't mind, just giving a little you know overview of yourself. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Right. I, um, so I know we talked a little bit about um, my career journey and, and where I started. I will say that I, you know, I'm a native Floridian, so born and raised in Florida, and I've been on the West Coast for about 12 years. Okay. I never thought I would stay this long, but I just love it. <laughs> Great. So yeah, my career journey uh, on the way to becoming a, a vice president at, um, in general, but I'm now over at Microsoft, has really been about capturing opportunities as they presented themselves, really pushing through any fear or doubt that I may have, Dan, and really stretching myself beyond my comfort zone and leveraging relationships. And I've been able to do this in three ways. The first is I often consult with my squad or my personal board of advisors. I also like to call them Team Lakeisha. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and any opportunity that I have, I, I always kind of um, phone a friend or, or really kind of take the time to consult my team, Lakeisha. And I've also tried to leverage all the wisdom that I've learned in each role that I've had. And I also make sure it's important that I never, ever forget. I mean, this comes from, you know, growing up as a young girl in the South and spending a lot of time with my grandparents, how important it is to have a good name. And so I translate that into my brand and my reputation. So I never forget how important it is to establish that great brand and reputation and always strive for excellence in everything that I, that I endeavor. 
have. And so my personal board of advisors, as I said, have really helped me through every step of my success journey. And I can't say that it's really been about a master plan, mm. Dan, so to speak. It's really just been about capturing amazing opportunities in my career from starting at KFC at the age of 14 in the lobby to becoming the youngest assistant manager in the franchise during my senior year. I've always been able to capture and take away lessons. And, and what I learned through my experiences at KFC, it really taught me how to dream big, how to be a leader, the importance of customer obsession, and the value of a very strong work ethic, and, and how to solve problems all while delivering finger-licking good chicken. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to unpack. Everything You said it, a few things that I am just absolutely um, in love with these, these, um, notions of like your personal board of advisors. So let's go back to that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's not a new concept, but I, I do see, you know, a lot of leaders don't take advantage of that. You know, mm -hmm. they're kind of siloed or just like, you're so overwhelmed with so much work. So, um, tell me about that. It sounds like you've been doing that. You kind of your whole career have that has this close knit group or ha has that ebbed and flowed or is that something you've always had? No, I think that's, that's an excellent question. I'll really kind of share with you. I've always learned the importance of building a very, very strong network. And that actually, that concept of a strong network and a personal board of advisors and really investing in that came home, so to speak, it really came full circle when I started working for Intel. Um, Intel is actually what brought me to Oregon. And my first manager at Intel, um, affectionately, we called her Pete. Her name was Pam, but she was just absolutely amazing. 27-year Intel veteran. Um, I've worked in every aspect of the business. At that time, was in the validation organization, which is where she hired me. But going back to your point, Dan, she shared with me two very important things when I first started. She told me that uh, what the expectations were for my job. She said, Lakeisha, here's what I need you to go do. Um, it's important to get connected to our customers and understand their challenges. But she said the other thing that's going to really be important for you to do, Lakeisha, is to build a network. She gave me a list of people in her network to meet immediately. Mm -hmm. And she sent personal notes of introduction to start the dialogue. She said to me that my success or failure at Intel wouldn't be about whether or not I could do the job, Dan, but it would really be about could I navigate the complex corporate landscape of Intel? And that's exactly what I did. So at that time, she was extending her network, her credibility to me and, and helping me to build out that personal, personal board of advisors um, within the short, the first six months of my being at Intel. Mm. And that network became so critical to me because within six months of being in the organization, she passed away. Mm. Um, so I lost, you know, at that time, my career best manager, um, very tragically, as a matter of fact, in a plane crash. And so she had set me up for success by helping me build that personal board of advisors. And she also seeded me with an idea of where she saw my career could go. Um, she invested in me early on and she said, hey, I believe you can become a chief of staff and a technical assistant to one of Intel's C-suite members. And of course, I had no idea what that was, but that, that night before she passed away, she said, hey, I believe you can be Intel's next rock star and I wanna help you. And you know, she, you know, because of that conversation, um, I will never forget how she made me feel, how she made me believe in myself. I, I found a true partner in career development and, and Pete, and like I said, she passed away. But as she predicted, 
Um, she seeded a vision and a, and a dream inside of me to become a technical assistant and chief of staff. And that's exactly what I did. Wow. But it was her, you know, when I first joined her, making certain that I built that personal board of advisors um, and her stressing the importance of, of taking the time to do that and asking and really telling me to go carve out the time to do it. Yeah. And, and that really made me successful. And were most of those contacts, it seems like internal to Intel. Um, how important is it to do that also externally? Because I know it's, it's harder because, you know, you're in your role you're really focused to, to step outside and try to do that externally with all the things you have. So have you navigated that? Cause it's a challenge for all leaders, I think. It is. And I was just doing a mentoring conversation yesterday on, on the drive up uh, to Seattle. And, you know, the person that I was talking to asked the very same question about how to land new opportunities and, and the importance of a network. And I said to him, building your network is just as important as your full-time job. And so you have to prioritize both. Uh, it's not an either or, Dan, it's a both and. Mm -hmm. And it can be difficult to your point because you're, try you're so focused on being successful in your job. But one huge aspect of being successful in your job is the power of your network. And so creating those connections both internally and externally are absolutely essential to long-term career success. And, you know, you have to become intentional about it. And as I was sharing with him, I said, you know what, just carve out, you know, office hours. It could be on a Friday, you say from nine to 10, I'm going to use that time for networking, or I'm going to use, you know, Tuesday evening from six to seven for some virtual networking, yeah. but you can't leave it untapped. You have to, it, it's a necessity. Yeah. Um, and again, start with the networks that you're already a part of. Um, reach out to Dan, say, hey, Dan, you know what? Okay. I, you know, I know you're, you know, work with a lot of executives. I'm looking for someone that has some great experience in sales. You know, would you be able to connect me? And, you know, for a 15 minute coffee chat. And of course, you're going to say yes, mm -hmm. because all of us desire to be helpful to other people. <laughs> and, and I think that's, we'll get into a little more about Portland and Pacific Northwest later, but I think that's kind of in our ethos. You've probably found that to, to maybe to a fault <laughs> right. or like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but I, I think that's, that's great advice because so many people neglect that. I've seen this so many times and then, then the, they get out of the role by choice or by not mm -hmm. by their own choice or by, you know, not their own choice. And it's like, Oh, Oh no. Like I, what's next? Invest, yeah. I haven't invested in that network. And I'm yes. <laughs> yes. You know, one of my um, friends and mentors at, at Intel, when I first started, he came in and he talked to our employee resource group and he talked about the analogy of baseball and that one of his mentors basically was teaching him a lesson through baseball. And I'm a huge baseball fan being from Florida. And he talked about RBIs, which is run bases in, right? But what he said was, it's really not about RBIs in that sense. It's about creating the relationship before the issue. So RBIs is relationship before the issue. And so it's important for us to understand that you build the bridge before you need to cross over it. Right. And so networking and creating those connections is about creating the relationship before the issue, whatever the issue may be. Mm -hmm. A couple of follow things that, because I know once you get to the point in career you are, and I'm even starting to do it with, because I have a young family, is how to say no to some things. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, you want to invest in those external things. Um, but like you said, you have to be intentional about it, but you're probably getting a lot of inbound requests. So once you get to that point, or even if you're early in your career, how to be intentional and say no to things that aren't necessarily the right investment in your time. How have you managed that? Yeah, and that's a tough one. I think it's something we struggle with at every aspect of our, in our lives and in our career, because again, 
as a leader, you want to be helpful. You want to give back in a way that others have given to you to help you get to where you are. And But you're right. There's only so many hours in the day. And you've got family. You've got work. You've got community service. It's like, okay, I'm but one person. So I think you have to reflect on what's most important to you and what gives you the sense of purpose, what gives you energy, what you're passionate about, and spend your time there. I would also say it's important to say, I've got to carve out some time for A, B, and C. So be intentional with your time and carving out. As I was talking to the, the gentleman yesterday, I said, you know, one of the things that I'm doing, because I love to give back, I love to help, um, but I've got to realize too, that there's only so many hours in a day, I'm creating those pockets of time for mentoring moments, mentoring opportunities right. um, at a certain time during the day. Or I'm saying, Lakeisha, you can only pick up two to three community service engagements because you're, otherwise you're, you tap out. So I think it's being intentional, understanding what's important to you, making sure you're carving out the time for those things, but also the things that really um, nurture your heart, um, your passion, and give you energy and finding a way to carve those out. But you do have to become better at saying no. And when I say no, I may say, well, you know what? I am unable to help you. However, Dan, I know, just talked to me, and he's looking for an opportunity in that space. So let me share that with him. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a no, but it's also saying, how can I help them solve their problem? Mm -hmm. Right. How can I provide another resource? And so I'm often, you know, I love being a conduit to say, hey, I can't support, but I know Bob, Mary, Sue, John, Dave, they would love an opportunity. You've got to reach out and to bridge that gap and make those connections. Yeah. I think that's special. You do that because not everybody does that. And that's, great. <laughs> you know, it's true. And how have you found, you know, you talked about um, finding your true purpose and just being more intentional as well. During this, I found personally, during this whole situation we're in with the pandemic and having to be mm -hmm. home a lot, it's really brought a lot of clarity to, I think, a lot of people maybe. Um, yes. How's that been for you? Have you found that or? Absolutely, right. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think is important as leaders is that whether we were in a pandemic or not, yeah. that you use, you carve out some time for reflection, the importance of white space, because to your point, we could run 100 miles per hour all day long every day. Um, and then the tank would be completely empty and nothing to give to anyone else. And so I think during this time uh, of the pandemic, we've actually gone into a space where we're reflecting on what's most important. Um, you know, is it family? Yes. Um, is it my job? Yes. Um, is it fun? Yes. But in what order? <laughs> and so I think it's allowed us to come back and me personally to reflect on my true, my value system <laughs> and what's really important to me. Where am I spending my time? Is it allowing me to move forward in the direction that I want to go? Does it allow me to tap my passion? So I really use this time as a time of reflection yeah. and, and really gain clarity on what's important to me and really spending time with my family and saying, you know, what legacy do we want to leave, right? Not just myself, but as a family, how do we want to spend our time? Where do we want to invest our time? You know, who do we want to give to? But yes, I think it's important for all of us to use this, this time um, of the pandemic. And I, I think it's a pause yeah. for a cause. Yeah. And the cause was getting back to the basics for all of us, right? I mean, we, I don't know about you, but I love to travel. And I'm losing my mind that I can't get on the plane and travel, right? It's like, I got to go, I got to go. Yeah. But you know what? Oregon is one of the most beautiful places on the planet, how am I leaning into all the beauty that's around me, yeah. right? How am I taking time to just 
breathe and breathe in the amazing sunshine and the view. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a pause for the cause. I mean, we, we would have planned this cause, but it's here. <laughs> right. I love that pause for the cause. And it's so true. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I've been hearing that a lot too. And I think, you know, leaning towards that positivity of what life throws at us is always better, but it's hard yes. to do. I mean, I'm not going to lie yes. and say I have the days where I'm just really down with everything that's going on. Yes, so for sure. I agree. Yeah. I think we all, and to your point, I think we're getting in touch with our true emotions and how we're feeling through this. And we're being vulnerable and allowing ourselves to say, you know what, am I experiencing a bit of depression? Like this is really impacting me. Um, not being able to, to reach out and touch you know, people and spend quality time. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know about you, but any walks that I'm doing and, you know, we're pulling out our mask and we're saying hello because yeah. we're seeing people and it's like, I miss people. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think to your point, we've just got to be transparent and honest with how we're feeling um, and allow ourselves to be vulnerable because I think that's when we're going to build even more strong, build stronger connections with people that we're talking to virtually. Yeah. Because we're all in this together. Absolutely. Well, let's let's turn to your podcast. I mean, like I said, yeah. I'm listening to it, and I think you're are you like about 15 episodes in around there, or yes, yeah. 16, 17, 18. Is <laughs> okay. So, for the folks who don't tell the title of it, and then just how it got started, and what because again, I I'm I really admire you with this. You know, you have a, a vice president job at Microsoft. You have a lot going on, and to throw a podcast on top of that. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Thanks for the opportunity to share a little bit on, about the, the Roar podcast is the name of it. So, you know, back in 2019, I did a keynote on being fearless or fearing less, so to speak. Um, and in that keynote preparation, I really began to reflect on my process of what it means for me to navigate fear. Um, how do I operate in the face of fear to achieve my, my goals? And the acronym Roar was born, which stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And so I love acronyms, Dan. <laughs> I think it's an artifact of being in high tech. We love our acronyms. Right. And, so, and so I'm like, well, what, what is my acronym for navigating fear? And so, you know, many of the people that I've had an opportunity to meet over the years, they've become part of my squad, as I said, my team, Lakeisha. And I, I realized a podcast could help me share their wisdom and the wisdom of others that I met over the years. And it would put some substance to my beliefs by showing what war means, not only to me, but it means to others. And so, you know, I've heard so many people who um, I've met over, actually I've heard from so many people who I've never met. They've told me about the positive impact of the episodes um, and, and what, how it's positively imp impacted them both personally and professionally. And that just, um, it just warms my heart yeah. that the messages are, are resonating and it's helping people. Because at the heart of hearts for me is that's why I did it. Mm -hmm. And so topics have included, you know, how to move from fear to focus, you know, in times of uncertainty, especially in times of chaos or in times of a pandemic. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, how do you begin to unleash your superpowers to empower others? You know, leaders is really about empowering others to be their best selves and achieve their career best. And so um, I had a, a great uh, a leader share on that topic, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, that hits at the core of what we all have to do to achieve our dreams and goals. Thriving in disruption, I think our lives have been disrupted. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> um, sure. and, and the remarkable power of asking are just, you know, just a few that I've, that I've talked about. But getting hooked on empowering and inspiring and enlightening podcasts such as Roar, they can really put one on a fast track, really the fastest track possible because you're able to kind of internalize those learnings very quickly. And for me, the podcast, the podcast helps me to stay motivated. Yeah. It recharges my spirit. It boosts my mood. 
It allows me to learn from others and, of course, become a better leader. Yeah. I, I, and I, I so relate to that as someone does podcasts. And uh, for me, I kind of started the podcast selfishly because I love to learn from people. I'm so yes. curious. So having these conversations, like you said, it, it totally rejuvenates me and gives yeah. me energy. And one of the episodes I listened to recently, the, the power of making the ask, of asking, right? Yes. That's something I've always uh, lived by. And I thought it was really well done and uh, really important for, for younger you know, professionals as well. Absolutely. Dean, Dean Bishop, uh, Dean of the College of Engineering at University of South Florida, did a fantastic job on that. I was just blown away with his story, Dan, in terms of how he literally just asked for what he wants. I mean, he's asking presidents of the United States. He's asking, fans. I'm just like, wow. Like, yeah. even for me, I'm like, I'm just going to ask. Yeah. I knew it, but I'm like, no, I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. So, well, you know, we have a little bit of time left. I, you know, I want to talk about Portland. You, you moved here from Florida for the role at Intel, you said, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been here 12 years. Um, how has it changed since you've been here in terms of business? You know, obviously Intel's a, a powerhouse here, one of the biggest companies here. But other than that, you know, we have a, we're a pretty small market. We're a pretty mm-hmm. young market. Um, how have you seen it change? And how, for you personally, has it been living here and, you know, switching from Intel to Microsoft and just uh, we'd love to talk about you know, Portland. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to that point, I moved here in, in 08 and I thought, oh, I'll be here for two years and then I'll leave. But it, it just kept getting better and better, Dan. And I've just enjoyed the area and I've certainly enjoyed the companies that I've been afforded the opportunity to work with. But, you know, to your point, over the last 12 years working in the high tech industry, there's no doubt that we've seen tremendous growth in Portland's tech ecosystem, which is affectionately called Silicon Forest, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, there are well over 100 companies in the forest today, covering all the letters of the alphabet from A to Z, including Apple, Amazon, Google, Intel, of course, you know, LAM, Nike, Microsoft, Puppet Labs, Workday, Xerox. I mean, you and I could spend the next 20, 30 minutes talking about yeah. the number of companies who have moved into the Portland area and the list is constantly expanding. Over the years, the city I've seen, do a, they've done a lot to attract the best and the biggest companies to the Portland area because we have a phenomenal university ecosystem that produces top talent. And the fact that, and, and the other piece of that is Portland has a great livability factor. Yeah. It's beautiful. The cost of living is reasonable. I mean, for so many reasons, people see uh, Portland as a city that is an amazing city. And yet, part of the challenge, and I think you would agree, is that diversity and inclusion continues to be a challenge in our area, though. Absolutely, yeah. It does. I mean, I think to create the diverse and inclusive culture that companies are, are looking to, to create, to, to really drive the, I would say, the, the change that we want to see in the Portland area, mm-hmm. it's really going to require buy-in from C-suite leaders, all managers and leaders of these companies that have moved in. And, and they, many of them have tremendous DNI efforts. I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm actually excited around the efforts across a lot of these high-tech companies these days. They say it's not just enough um, to talk about d right. We actually have to walk the walk. It has to be a part of the company's culture. And I'm seeing many of them invest in the resources to drive change in programming, to drive change in attracting, hiring, retaining, and promoting the top talent. I think many of them have finally come to the realization that I'm sure you and I've had for such a long time, and that is that diversity and inclusion is, is not about black or white. It's about the color green. Yeah. And green represents money, right? When you have a, a, a company culture that's 
truly understands what it means to have an diverse, what it means to be diverse and inclusive of all humans, that directly translates into profit because the products and services that they're developing service all humans. Right. And when, you know, the, the, the diverse communities see themselves represented in a company and they, and they see the company supporting the communities in which they operate, they are more inclined to be a loyal customer. Right. And so that's why I say it's really important for, for the companies in Portland and the likes to understand that diversity and inclusion is a business imperative and it's really about profit mm-hmm. um, and being able to deliver products and services to a wide range of customers who can see themselves in your organizations. Absolutely. And another thing I want to talk about, so I, I belong to an organization called Partners in Diversity. I you probably know yes. them. And they, so they did their recent research. And one of the things, obviously, we have a challenge here is, you know, people of color move here for a job, but they find maybe it's not as welcoming and they leave. And so, you know, that big study partners in diversity just did was some of the information was a huge wake up call to our community. Absolutely. And I know someone who, who did stay here, you know, it is a big challenge because, you know, people might move here for role and they just find it's no secret that Portland is one of the most non-diverse kind of cities in the United States. But um, the intention of leaders here is good. I think, like you said, there's more resources going in. So just the part of, you know, getting more people of color to, to move here and stay here, you know, I think that's a, a huge topic that needs to be, you know, discussed too. And I'm glad to see like Partners in Diversity is bringing more attention to it too. Absolutely. Yeah. I was uh, excited to participate in a little bit of those, con- some of those conversations um, with uh, partners in diversity with Vicki and a few others. And so um, I, I know the leaders in the communities are leaning in heavily on this topic and, and say, hey, um, it's a phenomenal, um, you know, networking event that actually welcomes uh, new leaders to Portland. And, and to be honest with you, Dan, that was a difference maker for me. Mm. Um, I moved in October of 2008. And I got introduced to Say Hey in October 2008. Oh, great. So I instantly felt connected to the community. Yeah. So, um I guess what's, what's next for, for you? What's next for the podcast? I'm kind of curious to see, like I struggle with just, you know, personally, I, I, it's hard to be consistent with a podcast uh, when you're a Mm -hmm. podcast host, everybody knows that I intentionally took kind of July off. Mm -hmm. um, So that uh, I've done over uh, around 110 episodes now. So trying to keep it going. Um, So what what do you see for your podcast? Like kind of, keeping it going and just, you know, keeping that uh, engine going? Because it can be challenging to keep the momentum. It can be. And, um, you know, right now where I'm focused is really diversifying the guests even more, right? I've had executives, I've had professional athletes, I've had authors. And so right now, I want to think I want to focus on that next generation, the millennials that are coming up and really get their perspective and take um, on their experiences in corporate America. But I mean, those, they're kicking butt and taking names. Yeah. I mean, just doing some phenomenal work. And, you know, we can, as, as more mature uh, leaders, so to speak, we can get, learn from those, the young leaders and the, the rising stars. And so I'm excited to kind of bring, you know, some of those leaders on and to hear from them and um, seeing, you know, how they're, they're leveraging their platforms, they're, you know, stepping into their courageous actions and, you know, finding their brave to push through and uh, really inspire not only the younger generation, but the older generation. So that's where I'm going to, I'm going to pull some of those voices in here pretty soon. 
I love that. And I, like everybody I meet that's coming right out of college, I'm just so impressed by. Like, I was not like that when I was, I see some of the things they have command of, especially, you know, digitally. And we, you talked about earlier in the conversation about, um, you know, your personal brand reputation, mm-hmm. these things, this is, you know, innate to them in their DNA growing up with, you know, uh, social media and stuff. So it's, it's really impressive. That's, I think that's great. Um, I'm looking forward to those. Yeah. And so, man, you know, and I've had an opportunity to listen to several of yours as well. I mean, oh, you, you brought a lot of executives on, I mean, just CEOs, presidents. I'm like, Dan is killing it on this podcast. It's been fun. <laughs> and again, it's, it was a lot of it was selfish cause I'm so curious, but it's, I like you, I like to do things in person. So this has been mm-hmm. an adjustment, but also as a podcaster gives you some accessibility to get some other folks on that might've been a little challenging to to schedule. So absolutely. Yeah. Positive as well. So yeah. yeah. Well, Keisha, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. And and again, your podcast is roar, right? Yes. The roar podcast. Yep. You can find us on all podcast channels, uh, Apple, Spotify, you know, um, Castbox, you name it. We're there. Well, looking forward to staying in touch. And again, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dan. Been a pleasure. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.